Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media and ASAP All Sports All Plays Network. Hello and welcome into Big Ten Plus Four, college sports with a Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood. You can see the the shuffle of different faces going back and forth there if you're on the visual medium. I'm Dalton Shetler. That's Tony Hollinsworth there in the middle. And on the far end, Sam Sprunger. Sam, glad to have you back. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it, 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 I had a death in the family and it was, it was uh, my father passed away on Monday and it's uh, it's been a rough time. Uh, but I appreciate all the uh, the kind words and everything that I've received, and uh, uh, it feels good to know that I've got support uh, out there in uh, in the uh, interweb that uh, is is there for me in in these times. And uh, I know my dad would want me to to enjoy the time, so that's what I'm here for today. Well, that's awesome. You know, you always had the support uh, to the just off the shoulder there between Tony and I too. Yep. Um, but we can go ahead and get into a lot of Big Ten action, some more Big Ten football as we're in the middle of a bit of a purgatory time where this upcoming week, it's a lot of bad football games. I mean, for the Big Ten, it's some bad football games, not terribly interesting. We'll talk about that in a moment, but let's wrap up on what was a couple of Pretty intriguing games. Starting off in Happy Valley, where Ohio State just gets by Penn State. And, and when you say just by, and you're looking at the score, and you see, what, 44-31, you're thinking, uh, what exactly does he mean? Penn State had the lead until they just imploded in that fourth quarter. Ohio State, it, it felt like every time you looked down from the TV and looked up, Ohio State somehow got a turnover and was scoring a touchdown. Like, Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and then Ohio State gets the win. Uh, Tony, what, what did you take away from this one as Ohio State stays alive here in the in the Big Ten race? Yeah, it. I was thinking about this last night. It makes me a little bit worried because there's a tiny chink in the Ohio State armor. And what I mean by that is when, when all this is said and done, when we're coming to the end of the year and obviously the game of itself, Ohio State versus Michigan, it's pretty much a win and you're in. If you lose, the other the other team is going to be looking from the outside in. Now, I will say if it's Michigan, they have a little bit of a stronger case to maybe be able to get in. But if you're looking at them compared to a one-loss SEC team, unfortunately, it will always be Alabama. I hope and pray somebody beats Alabama again. So they are two loss and they do not get in whatsoever. But anyway, we're going to move on from that. Uh, and my dismay for them. <clears throat> this was well, really just, you, you have dismay, dismay for them now. Wait until they get in with two losses, but go <laughs> oh on. Oh my God. I know <laughs> it'll, it'll happen. There'll be somebody that'll be undefeated again. They'll be like, I don't know, man. Crimson Tide, they're they're six and two, but I mean they lost against legitimate players. <laughs> no, two losses, go away. Um, th this was something that we've we've really seen for the last two weeks. Ohio State struggle against legitimate, you know, competition. And now I know Iowa's offense is inept and incontinent, so that doesn't really count. I tried to keep it all with the eyes for Iowa, by the way, because they don't get an <laughs> O anywhere. Um, you know, but their defense is actually elite. 
and we saw Ohio State struggle, and really we saw more of it last, you know, this past weekend against Penn State. This is a Penn State team that, while a lot of people probably wrote off, myself included, this was a team that started early and came back from adversity. I mean, Shaw Clifford threw two interceptions to really start the game, you know, and Ohio State really couldn't capitalize on it. You know, they got a touch, they got a field goal and a touchdown out of it. It was 10 nothing, but then here comes Penn State and they automatically score two touchdowns after that. So this kind of made me worry a little bit with Ohio State in the fact of if their defense is not able to click and bail them out, this is an Ohio State team that's going to get in trouble because really the only thing that kind of saved them and helped put their offense in a good position is that defense. That's about it. And to me, if they face a really stiff competition, it's it's not going to be pretty. Like this Michigan versus Ohio State game is probably going to be the toughest game that either team faces. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's also going to say a lot about each of these teams because really neither team has faced a lot of stiff, very difficult competition so far. It's very true. Sam? Maybe they have. Maybe Penn State, like Dalton, you said earlier, maybe you underestimated Penn State. Yeah, Michigan, I, I you Michigan, guys. Michigan thumped them. Don't get me wrong, but they were also at home. Ohio yeah. State beat them by double digits while it was close and it was a dogfight. They did beat them by double digits in Happy Valley. Maybe Penn State is the elite that they've played to this point. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's it's a fair point to to raise. I, I really don't know what to make of Penn State because yeah. here I, I'm watching them lead Ohio State. I'm watching them battle with Michigan for two thirds of a game in in both of these. And then I'm also looking forward and I'm like, Hey, Maryland could beat Penn state in a couple weeks. Like, I really don't know what I'm doing with Penn state. I I don't, I I don't get this. I don't really get what they are to be honest with you. Because you know what? Ohio state's defense isn't horrible and Penn state did, you know, play well against that defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not the defense. It's not the, the Penn State defense, but it, it, it's formidable and it's much better than it was last season. And and the the Penn State offense, while at times has been not Iowa anemic, but at least you know the the very short end of the Penn State side of the football, they did well against that defense. That yeah. defense at, at times, and and I think maybe Penn State is what we're underestimating in here, and maybe both Michigan and Ohio State have done you know that work against against Penn State and it and to me while it is a little bit of a of a of a, an eyebrow raise that it was such a close game for the whole time because I was watching it watching it I use air quotes because I was following it on GameCast but it, it just seemed that once once Penn State got ahead Ohio State didn't let it get out of hand like they could have easily mm-hmm. folded up having been you know tested basically for the first time but they they kept fighting it back and like uh, I forget who just said that the, it just seemed like Ohio State was always forcing a turnover or three and out that got them the ball back to get the score and and to me it was they did that with the home crowd against them mm-hmm. so I think it was maybe their first big test and I think they passed and and real quick before you jump in Dalton statistically everything Penn State beat Ohio State the only exception is is they had the turnovers like yep. total yards it was 482 Penn State to 452 Ohio State they threw the ball more they ran the ball more they had less penalties they controlled the ball for longer so i mean really everything pointed to Penn State 
really winning the game with the exception of three interceptions and a fumble lost. And I don't know how to say his name, but number 44 for Ohio state took that personally and said, hold on, hold my beer real quick. I'm going to take care of this. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, so I haven't tried saying this on air yet, so I'm a little nervous on this one, but uh, yes, this is the game that number 44 in happy Valley JT Tui Molo Al Molo Al Tui Molo Al. Yes. Uh, I had to, you, do you see me? Like my uh-huh, eyes went uh-huh, up in uh-huh, my head. It's uh-huh. checking to make sure the gears were up there working. Right. Yeah, no, but he had what? Two sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery an interception and a touchdown. Like yes. dude have a day. That's you, incredible. You are, you are not the only one that has that issue either. I was actually, <laughs> I was getting dinner last night and coming home and I was listening to, I believe it was Bobby Carpenter and he was, he was murdering the name too. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he did, he had like two different pronunciations and he said, these are the two ways it could be pronounced. I don't know which way it is. Well, and that's the thing. I haven't actually seen it broken into syllables in a pronunciation guide. I just like when I knew I wanted to talk about him, I was like, I need to go back and just hear (laughs) how the TV announcer said it. So that's what I did. Um, Honestly, about this game, I think it is more of a testament to what Penn State is and not what Ohio State isn't. Okay, that's my personal thought. But I have also been beating the Penn State drum the whole season. But it's a so, it's a so fair maybe it's point. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, real quick, let's shift over to another game. Uh, in Ann Arbor, number four Michigan beats Michigan State twenty nine to seven. The final score there. Now, w- there's a couple things obviously that are interesting about this. There's all kinds of stories, but um, if we're talking football, at the end of the first quarter, Michigan State was up seven to three over Michigan. Yeah. And then the Wolverines scored 26 unanswered from there. And it was a bit jarring just because in this rivalry, we haven't seen it work that way too often. We saw last year Michigan was up 16 points and let it get away. That's the type of stuff we were kind of accustomed to seeing is Michigan giving up leads late to Michigan State in this rivalry series. It was kind of odd to see Michigan State get out in front and then go dark. And, and see Michigan pull away the way they did. And and really, from that point on, like the third quarter, fourth quarter, absolutely dominated the game. That was It was a bit startling to me. Tony, what did you take away? Yeah, that was my big thing. It's like, you know, you, you ended the first quarter on a high note, you know, seven to three. I mean, Keon Coleman had a great catch for that, for that touchdown. A couple of them, back to back. Oh, yeah couple and i mean think about the way that they got it too it's like that defense was just like no 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 give me give, give me the ball give me the ball and you're like whoa michigan state has a turnover and they capitalized on it so that was probably the most surprising thing is it's like okay th- this kind of gives you that window of you have a chance you're the underdogs again you're going against one of the top four teams in the country you know, capitalize on it. They get it. And it's like, all right, in the first quarter, it's seven to three. This is a ball game. Like you have contention. Mm-hmm. And even then, really, you think about it. They only let Michigan score, you know, one touchdown in the first half. And it's 13 to seven going into halftime. It's like, there's still a chance. Look, and, and that's the thing too. This Michigan State defense, we've knocked on it quite a bit throughout the year, how it struggled. They showed up. I mean, they held Michigan to five field goals. They only scored two touchdowns once because they got the ball, I think, inside the 10-yard line on a, on a botched punt snap. So, like, 
the defense really truly allowed one touchdown and five field goals, that's that's that puts you in a spot to beat the number four team in the country. The yeah. offense wasn't there for them in this one. Yeah, and I mean, and it it was mainly evident just in the run game because Michigan State had what like thirty seven rushing yards to. Let me pull it up here. Almost three hundred on Michigan side. <laughs> Hang on, we're, we got a slow load on my browser. So Michigan State had 37 rushing yards. Michigan had 276. Yeah. So it's like it – and, I mean, the the undisciplined too. Like, not, not just from the defense, the whole entire team. Because I know, Dalton, you probably felt the same way. That first drive, it was like, man, they were moving the ball beautifully. There was no issues. They were running yeah. it. They were throwing it. And then – Boom, four penalties in a row. Even on specialty, they got to delay a game on the punt. I was like, what What are you doing? Yep. So that, that is probably the biggest takeaway. And they did. They had seven penalties for 75 yards to Michigan's four for 25 yards. So it's like that. that's probably the thing that surprises me the most is that this Mel Tucker coach team was so undisciplined that night to – to even put themselves in this position. It's like you, you did so well. You even rallied like, you know, like we just talked about, they scored a touchdown. It was seven to three at the end of the first quarter. It's like, okay, you guys can do this. You're there. Just, it was just a complete and total breakdown. I don't know why. I don't know if it was the pressure or the lights, what it was, but it was, it for all intents and purposes. And I know there's no such thing as a morale victory. You know, I don't give those out. So I don't, I don't consider them a thing. It's like, man, for, for all in all, this was a great game for Michigan State to hold Michigan to what they did and really give Michigan their first true test, considering they were two and four coming, well, three and four coming into this. So it's like, man, this this just hurts. It hurts as a Spartan fan. It hurts. Always does. 22, ahead, 22 points doesn't that that wasn't what how close that game was. Uh, it, it was a much closer game than than twenty nine to seven, and I, I I was watching it, but I I, I wasn't paying great attention to it. And and, it was on. Oh, go it, ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. I just want to no, jump no, no. in too because it, it was closer. You're right, but like as Tony mentioned in the stat department, this game should have been a five Whoa, six wow. touchdown game. Here, here's the here's the weird thing about that is the stats match what the score says. But if you watched that game or paid attention to it, it was nothing like like you didn't. It didn't make sense that it was twenty nine to seven. It really didn't. <laughs> and 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 that's the weird thing about this game is, you know, the stats and the score match each other, but you you know that it wasn't. It looked like it was a struggle every moment of the way for Michigan. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong, the offense at, on Michigan State didn't do any sort of favors for, for the Spartans, not at all. But that defense, which, like you said, we had knocked on and knocked on and knocked on, they did their job, and it was the offense that let them down. It's very true, and and I think it should also be put on notice for all Michigan future opponents. Whenever Jake Moody, the kicker, comes out in that blue and maze, it's an automatic three points. I mean, the guy nailed it from 54. He went five for five. Like, that's that's a real weapon they have yeah. there on that team. Um, and, and I also, like, we, we kind of point to the miscues or whatever. Uh, I go back to that fourth and one in the first half. Call timeout, you come out of it, you still don't get the yard to get you inside, I think, like the five of Michigan. 
I think that's where they they took that snap from when it was fourth and one. You score there, I, I think that game changes a little bit. And and so that was a bit of a bummer just to not be able to get that one yard and and really because like look, Michigan has more talent than Michigan State. I don't think I'm saying anything that's crazy to anybody. I think we all recognize that's that's the case, especially given this year. Um, you have to create opportunities for yourself when you're out talented. And Michigan State didn't take advantage of that in this game. And that's what leaves you a little bit bitter as the Michigan State person because you're like, wow, man, our defense showed up, you're playing well, and you just don't take advantage of the opportunities that were there. That's that's what's kind of a bummer because all in all, like it was there to make it a real, real close game, and you just didn't take advantage of it. So that's, that's kind of a bummer. And then, of course um, – we, we won't talk too much about it because there's already been so much attention already brought on it uh, from everybody in the world. And it's already a very toxic conversation to be quite frank, but there was of course the incident in the tunnel afterwards, Michigan state has since suspended eight players, including a few starters, Angelo gross, Jacoby Winman, uh, Zion young, all being suspended uh, from the Michigan State football team. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. What does uh, that do for his chances at defensive player of the year? Do you well, think that does anything to it? If you only play eight games, yeah, I don't I don't think yeah. I, I don't think you can if you're just two thirds of the way through. Yeah. And and we don't have much information in terms of how long suspensions are, if it's for the rest of the season. Um, so we'll just kind of have to see how this all plays out in, in terms of that. Then also in in the law, in the courtroom, because there's yeah, talks yeah. of pressing charges for some of the different incidents that took place. So we'll have to see how that all plays out. Um, and and yeah, it's it's certainly an ugly thing that that came out of Ann Arbor um, in, in multiple ways. But. We can move over real quick to, I think there was maybe one other Big Ten game worth talking about. Maybe Illinois was able to get by Nebraska. And the reason maybe this is important is because Illinois now really is steamrolling. They're up to 14th ranked in the AP poll. And it looks like Destiny has it for not this weekend when they host Michigan State, but the following weekend when they take on Purdue for the Big Ten West title. It's going to make yeah. it that much better when Purdue wins, huh? <laughs> when they win the West, huh? Hey, look, we, we've talked about this, and, and Tony and I were mentioning it a little bit, but... Oh, I watched. After, after we recorded last week, the next year's schedule came right. out after we recorded, and so we texted right away back and forth because, look, I mean, we've talked about it all year. Purdue had a good schedule this year. In terms of the crossovers, it was as good of a situation as you could possibly ask mm-hmm. for. Next year, they get Ohio State, they get Michigan, and then in 2024, you imagine the conference looks completely different with USC and UCLA coming in. I think Purdue's in the East if they stay with divisions. Yeah, I think they kind of have to. I think them, them and, and Northwestern either... will get pushed over. Yeah, but they... Northwestern or Illinois will get pushed over to the East, and then, yeah. But they should completely rebalance these, given yeah, the the balance issues. And I, I expect that. I expect this to be a completely different look. Now, can we do it to can we set it up to where they have relegation? You know, divide the divide the conference into upper and lower division 
and make it fluid to where if you don't perform well in the upper division, you get relegated to the lower. You got this like being European soccer That's where you right. start relegating. That's right. How about that? Why not? <laughs> why not? Come on, let's I, make it fun. It, it, it's a pro league-ish, so why not? Yeah. I'm a fan of just getting rid of the divisions as a whole. Whoever the two best teams are, you know, duke it out at the end. Like, just I saying. think what you're going to find, though, is other schools that are going to be like, um, we want a chance because Michigan, Ohio State, and, you know, Penn State, and, you know, maybe Wisconsin and Michigan State, those, those would, the top five would kind of rotate their way through it. And I don't know. Well, I, I think you also would have a hard time just because if you're up to 16 teams in terms yeah. of who you're scheduling and maybe the scheduling disparity because Team X will be like, well, we had to play Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State. And US uh, USC. Yeah, and USC. And this other team, their schedule only has Northwestern, Illinois, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, uh, these aren't very fair. And divisions at least kind of structure it a little uh -huh. bit where you're playing the same opponent. So that that part makes it nice. I think go ahead, right. they need to balance it. They uh, because there's no doubt in anybody would be silly to argue that these are balanced divisions now. Like oh, the yeah, East right. is by far and above the the better the division. big brother. Yeah. I mean, I'll go there, <laughs> but it's it's uh, and over time south, too. By the way, like south, that's maybe? the thing too. Yeah, over time, it's not just a, a this is the time. It's been the whole time they've existed. It's that. Yep. Way. Yeah. Um, maybe a north south does that work? I mean, I mean, to where you could divide it a little <laughs> bit. I I don't know. It's yeah, it's it, difficult. It would just be one of those. It'd probably be weird, like like how right now Purdue is technically in the west. It's like, wait a minute. How oh, it makes Purdue? no sense. But yeah, it's yes. like how is Purdue West? I don't, I don't yeah. understand. But They're it, Eastern Time Zone, but right. <laughs> because then it's like, okay, you'd have like Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Purdue, all in the north, probably even Penn State. So it's like, okay, so is Ohio State South? See, I would almost make sure there? that they would be kind of the line where it would divide them in Michigan. That way, mm -hmm. if it works out that they're the best two teams, they can play each other in the in the championship game. You know, what if what if we have two divisions? We call one leaders, the other no, one legends. No, <laughs> not a, like no. Day in the day. That was that was a very big misstep <laughs> with with the conference that we cover. Um, good lord, no, no. Okay, on that note, let's go ahead and move over to the second quarter. All right, let's get into some more Big Ten football. The games that are coming up this weekend. Like I said, guys, I, I don't believe that there are many great games this weekend in the Big Ten slate, and we have something else we can get to uh, if we get really bored of these matchups. I'm going to present to you the seven, I, and I know you're chuckling, which is totally fair, but like at I noon on Saturday, we have, <laughs> we have Ohio State at Northwestern. The spread, by the way, is 38 points as I currently look. Um yeah. Also at noon, Minnesota at Nebraska. Um, also at noon, Maryland at Wisconsin. I mean, a little bit of intrigue there because Maryland's 6-2 and two and they're having one of the best seasons they've had in College Park in recent times. I don't know. Um, Penn State's at Indiana at 3.30. Michigan State's at Illinois at 3.30. Michigan's at Rutgers at 7.30. Uh, that spreads 26 as I'm currently looking. And I suppose maybe the the most intriguing game you can find in this lineup is the Charlie Jones Bowl, uh, Iowa at Purdue, noon kick Saturday. What do we take away here? 
revenge game for Charlie Jones. <laughs> I like, like that. I love Iowa's offense. I am the O in the offense. Does does Charlie Jones get more receiving yards than Iowa has yards Saturday? Just to really rub that in, more receiving yards than than any of the quarterbacks have combined passing. <laughs> yes, like he he has more receiving yards than total yards completely for Iowa. Even if you include any possible defensive touchdowns, like any defensive wow. yard attempts included, he still has more. And the Owen Jones is going to be like the entire back part of his jersey just so he can say he's still carrying <laughs> Iowa. I am offense. part of an offense. <laughs> That's all he has to say. Yeah, he was featured last year as a special teams guy because he Yeah. Could... <laughs> He yeah. was kick returner of the year because he, <laughs> didn't have these opportunities. He's going to be excited to be have the the a legit chance to score in an Iowa Purdue game because yeah. he's been <laughs> on the other side and just not had that opportunity. So now he's going to know what it feels like to to be part of a touchdown in an Iowa Purdue game. Whoa, a touchdown in Iowa? Whoa, sir. Whoa. <laughs> well, that, that's it. whoa. <laughs> You know, you know the first thing now. he did this year when he scored a touchdown, he looked at, you know, Barry Sanders always said, act like you've never been there before, or you've always been, you've been there before. He uh -huh. legitimately was like, what is this? I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to do. Why did we stop? I haven't been <laughs> down yet. Why did the whistles blow? I didn't get tackled. <laughs> like, I Wait a minute. But... This is what the end zone is like. Wow. <laughs> but no, I, I think that is, it, it's, it's it's sad and it's not sad because it's Purdue. It's sad that the Purdue Iowa game is basically the featured game of this week because it just played out to where none of the, well, I guess Michigan, Michigan state, Illinois, they did play well, but they're going to be so decimated that I don't know that there's any sort of chance that Michigan state's got. That's the thing. And sorry, before you jump in Tony, no. but I know we just yeah. mentioned the eight suspensions uh, and a bunch of them were starters on defense. And we yeah. just yeah. talked about how the defense finally was clicking. Now you still get some, some guys that you've had injured at the beginning half of the year, like Xavier Henderson's back and boy, does that make a difference? Like there's some guys where it's still making a big difference, but yeah. Ultimately, I, I don't know what it means. And you're going against the number one running back in the country in terms of rushing yards and Chase Brown there in Illinois. And Illinois has got the number one scoring defense in the nation. Like Illinois is like through eight games said, put some respect on ILL. But the, the beauty is they're seven and one. And that one losses to Indiana, which just shows you how beautifully chaotic and nonsensical this sport really is. It's perfectly imperfect. It really is. It is. <laughs> The true balance of everything. It's like, man, look at Illinois. Like they should be considered. Oh, they lost to India. Maybe, why did you lose maybe that's India? my reason why I, while I give them and say they're a contender, I still don't necessarily take them completely serious. You know, center of balance, their they wins. The full lead, Sam. They're in their, sole possession. I understand until they get beat by Purdue. Uh, <laughs> that that perfect balance is there because they've beaten their the, everybody but IU. But well, I, except for IU. <laughs> but let's talk about this for a moment, too, because you keep saying for Purdue. And, of course, you're you're a Purdue fan, and you're very excited for this one. I don't believe we've we've gotten to oh, chat I know. about I was waiting for it. the last Purdue loss. I yeah. mean, do you still have that much confidence in the yeah, Boilers? I do. I, I If you remember, you, I, I, I watched last week, to, you know, because I had to edit some. But uh, I, I watched what? the no. – I, wa I watched the uh, – 
I had to trim things off the front and back. It's no big deal. For you some, did, well, you did well producing. You did a very yeah. good job producing. The, the so. Easter egg our audience will never know is we lost Tony after the halftime of last show. And for three minutes, I sat here and just kept talking to myself. And I'm like, okay, this is going nowhere. We'll stop I was now. watching <laughs> it going, man, Dalton, you're really good. But nobody's nobody's responding. So, you know, it's just you, you, you would talk to the point where you were waiting for a response and then realized nobody's going to respond and went further. <laughs> Keep going. Keep and, going. And, and you were, Keep you were going. Um, but the week before I said, I think Purdue's going to win. But this is one of those environments that I could easily see Wisconsin you know beating them down and i'm not saying giving them a pass because they looked horrid against wisconsin but i think that was to me that's the only loss they've really taken this year it's been they've beaten themselves in the other two times the other two times um for whatever reason wisconsin has it's been over 20 years since purdue beat wisconsin in madison so uh, that it, that's why it's not a surprise to me that they lost. Now the the tragic fashion that they did it in, I did not foresee that. So yes, I still think, I still think that just means now Purdue has to win out, including beating Illinois. Mm-hmm. They have to beat Illinois, and True. they have to win out the rest of the way. They they can't afford to fall now where they could before. Like they used their one get out of jail free card in my mind. So Tony, you got I, anything I, on still, that I still think Illinois loses to Michigan. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, oh, I think, agreed. So yeah. that's a built in. So that's, that's why I think that if Purdue wins out, including beating Illinois, Purdue's win in the West. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I, and honestly, I think at that point too, it, it's just kind of de facto at this point, it, it, it's honestly either Purdue or Illinois. Like I don't really see any other team potentially rebounding enough to even make contention that Illinois hasn't already beaten because they beat mm-hmm. Wisconsin. So Wisconsin's basically out. They beat Nebraska this past week. So Nebraska's out. So it's like they're again, aside from Purdue, there's not going to be a whole lot that, you know, there's going to be really no other teams to say, oh, hey, we beat Illinois except for IU. Now, if IU wants to join the West, they could be like, hey, we might be a contention. For <laughs> Look at this. Look we're at this un- hill. We're undefeated <laughs> in the West. Why don't we have a stake to this? But that that's that's really about it. It's like, yeah, it, it's I think it's gonna come down to Purdue and Illinois, mainly because of de facto. And honestly, when you look at the West right now, kind of like Sam said, they've only had one true loss. The other times they've beaten themselves. And of course, Illinois had whatever weird fluke against IU. The these are the two best teams that the West has to offer right now. I just had an epiphany right now. <clears throat> Or not an epiphany, but like just envisioning uh, the the fight for the win in, or the division title in the East is like a battle, right? In the right East in the, or West? In the East, it's always in the East, you know, okay. It's a battle. Yeah, in the West, it's more like a slap fight. It's true. <laughs> Wait, is it the, is it the tortilla challenge where it's like you you yeah, slap each other like with that. our mouths yeah. full of water with tortillas yeah. and we something see like who that. laughs first and then yeah. they you have the a, you have on one side like full bodied militaries with <laughs> nuclear weapons and everything everything super tactical and then on These the other side you water got... balloons on the west <laughs> and I mean... my team's in the west so don't don't take it like I'm being a jerk come on. I am a realist here. The, the East has actual guns. The West has Nerf guns, and it is a constant <laughs> Nerf fight. <laughs> or laser tag, either one. It's, it's, it's a pretty good picture of, of the, the Big Ten. Um, I envisioned the slap fight was what I envisioned. That's why I laughed when I said it, because it's just like, ah, come on. 
that's that's about right. Um, so since the Big Ten schedule is so bleh this week, um, I figured maybe we could take a look at the first college football playoff rankings, yeah, uh, real quick here before that. we get to halftime. So for the Big Ten and the Big Ten's interest in this playoff, Ohio State's number two, Michigan's number five. Michigan being at five. Let's start there. Did that surprise any of you? Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Ma- mainly not because Michigan is number five, but because Clemson is number four. What does Clemson have other than a defense that would ever merit them saying, you know what, Clemson, you deserve to be number four. Undefeated no. record and wins over better teams at this point. Yes and no. I mean, they here's need- the thing. Michigan can, if they went out, they have no issues. It doesn't right. matter that they're at five starting out. Right. So I think the, the, I think they're really going reactionary. Clemson has beaten better teams at this point. They're undefeated like Michigan and they put Michigan in that position to where if they can win out, they're not going to have any worries. That's my thought as to why. Sorry, I'm 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 gonna pull up Clemson. I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just, no, 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 you're well, good. You're good. It, because, because that's the thing. It's like I I, I definitely see what you're saying, and I, I'm looking so far. Well, I think there's okay. a couple of areas to pick here, and I think Tony's pulling up the schedule. Clemson yeah. has beaten Wake Forest, Forest, and they came behind against Syracuse. Remember, that's the game they pulled DJ Uyunglele, and they put in Kate Klubnik. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and and they were able to come back and get that win. So both of those teams were ranked, and I think ranked in the top 16 at the time. But like Sam says, they've played better teams. But you could also make the point, how good is Wake Forest and Syracuse really? And I think that's the time that they played them is what I'm getting at, at the time that they played them. Yeah, and I I know that's what they're looking at. Because, yeah, when they played Wake Forest, uh, Wake Forest was ranked 21st. No, they were 21. Uh, Against NC State, NC State was ranked top 10. And then That's they just played Syracuse and Syracuse was ranked 14. So it's like, I, I do see it, but again, at the same time, you know, kind of like what Dalton was getting at, how, how really good is Wake Forest that you can put them at that? How really good is Syracuse? Cause Syracuse just took an L to Notre Dame this past weekend. That's so it's true. like, like, I, you say I, that I, like I, it's a bad thing. And Notre Dame isn't horrible. Oh no, 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 it's not. But at the same time, it's like, okay, yeah. you, you also just beat a team that lost to them. You know, you beat, and no offense to you, Sam, you know, they, they squeak by Purdue because really you think about it, they did squeak by Purdue. So it's like, how, how seriously can we take Syracuse in that manner? So it's like, so, I don't So you said no really offense, but you, you make that seem like it's a, it's a knock because <laughs> Purdue isn't good. <laughs> he is kind of a little bit. Cause it's like, okay, if but they if, are, they're, if, I, nobody, they're, they're one of the best teams in the West, darn it. They, they are, they are, but, but again, that's my point. It's like, okay, if Syracuse could barely beat. A, a Purdue team that really, for the most part, has beaten themselves. It's like, okay, then how how good can you really consider Syracuse? It's like, okay, Syracuse, you didn't really win. Purdue just said, nah, we're not going to play. We're, we're you, just going to let you have it. You know what part I do like about this, though, when it comes to Michigan being seated behind Clemson? The part I do like is this shows the committee does not give you points for scheduling a horrendous non-conference schedule. Yes. I wouldn't have argued if they were sixth because of that, because like they had an exhibition schedule. I mean, the yeah. non-conference was all at home. They're playing eight home games this year, and they played the likes of UConn, Hawaii, and I'm I'm missing Colorado one in State. there. Colorado, Colorado State. State. Thank you. So, like, the committee is clearly not impressed, 
And I'm okay with teams being deducted for taking such a, a cakewalk approach to a football season. I'd be less, I, I wouldn't even be upset if they would have put a one loss team if it would have been a good one loss over like Michigan Bama because of that. Yeah, like Alabama. And and, 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 I, and that's not a joke at all. Like it, it, they had a good loss compared to three thumpins that Michigan gave, you know, JV teams. Yeah, and, and, before, and before Tony jumps in, I, I was going to say, like, I, I knock on the non conference schedule. Usually the Big Ten schedule will carry you in terms of strength. It's not a great Big Ten season, to be honest. Like, no, you have Ohio no. State, Michigan at the top, Penn State's hanging around. Like, outside of that, the Big Ten is really not as good as in normal years. So, mm-hmm. Michigan's mm-hmm. schedule isn't very good because the Big Ten's not very good, and they they did not schedule anybody for the non-conference. Now, all that being said, Michigan goes to Columbus, knocks off Ohio State. Michigan's fine. Like, yeah. they're, they're in the college football playoff. Everything's in front of them. That's the real test. But I, I think it says something if the committee says, look, you could be 11 and one and lose that one game and you're out because you play nobody else. Part of that is just the, the landscape of the Big Ten not being as strong this year. And part of it is on their own scheduling. They didn't schedule any power fives. They didn't schedule anybody on the road. Like it's sort of in their their own doing. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Like that That's why I think really this, this Ohio State versus Michigan going the way we probably see it going of them both winning out till the end, that, that's definitely going to be playing to the factor for both teams. Like if you lose, yeah, you might be 11-1 and one and you might be better than maybe another team that could potentially sneak in there or a one-loss Alabama. But again, as much as I hate Alabama – they have played better teams. You know, you had to mm-hmm. face a, you know, a good Tennessee team. You've had to face a good Arkansas team. Like you've had they to face two all Texas. Yeah. Two Texas and barely beating Texas, barely beating. That's why I refuse to expect respect Alabama. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like, if I'm, if I'm outside looking at it, it's like Ohio state, you haven't really played anybody. You, you played one good team, you know, Penn state, because you can't even really say Notre Dame. It's like, well, they beat number five Notre Dame at the time, and then yeah. Notre Dame has since gone into non-existence. So it's like, eh, you, eh, you, yes, you got to win. Complete non-existence. They beat BYU. <laughs> they beat. They've, they've beaten some decent teams. I'm not going to say good teams. I'm going to say mm-hmm. decent teams to where maybe they're not the number five team, but right. they're not the they're not at the level of losing to Marshall. You know, that was an anomaly in my opinion, yeah. probably more than. An, than anything else but but you Stanford, know that's, losing to stanford come on but but you know that's going to be held against them even more though because i mean think about sure. it if, if, at least if you lose to stanford you could say okay well you lost to a power five school like it, it was a good matchup like right. you lost to marshall like you lost to a group five school they're not gonna let that slide they're not gonna let that slide at all and and the only thing i would say is in defense of ohio state when they scheduled Notre Dame, they thought that was going to be a hell of a game. Yeah. Like that, that wasn't yeah. supposed to be like kind of have this ripple effect that it had. So I, I do at least give credit for scheduling a program like that. Whereas opposed to Ann Arbor, we're talking about UConn, Colorado State, and Hawaii. Like nobody ever thought any of those those games were going to be any kind of good in any kind of way. If Ohio State would have scheduled West Virginia, I'd give more credit over any of those three. I mean, yep. and no knock on West Virginia, but they're not that good this year. Even if they would have worked out, but they have been his, you know, in the past, the good enough and competitive in the Big Twelve that if they would have scheduled West Virginia, I would have been like, okay, well, they did what they could. Mm-hmm. So let me ask this hypothetical here because we're talking a lot about Michigan, and we're we're kind of it sounds like saying Michigan needs to win out if they want to be in the college football playoff 
this year. Ohio State sitting at number two. If the Buckeyes drop that game against Michigan at the end of the year and they finish 11-1, and one, does Ohio State get in or are they out? I think they're out. Out? Uh, I, I guess it depends. Honestly, it would depend on the fashion in which they lose to Michigan. If okay. Michigan comes in and just houses them, I say they're out. If it's a back and forth and, you know, it comes to a field goal at the end and, you know, Moody hits it and boom, Michigan wins two in a row. Uh, I, I would say that that I could see them being number four and still making it. And and I think a lot of this really has to do with what happens in the SEC because the SEC, yeah. it's like it's like sharks, man. There's a there's blood infused water and there's Tennessee, Georgia and Alabama just circling, just waiting. And, and by the way, Tennessee and Georgia play this weekend. So I, if that's a close game, I don't think either one is necessarily gone. They're both unbeaten to this point. I think they're going to hang around and, and they're going to be in contention if this is a good game. Yeah, and and I that was going to lead me to my thing. It, it'll depend on what happens with Alabama because I think no matter what, Alabama will more than likely have a shot just purely because their one loss is against a Tennessee team. Now, if Tennessee loses to Georgia – I still think that guarantees Tennessee a spot because Tennessee can say, hey, we beat Alabama. Like, that was our biggest one. We beat them, and we lost to Georgia. Did he just use the G word? Yeah, that's what I was going to hit the brakes on, too, and circle back to. Guarantee. So, so in this hypothetical, we're talking about Georgia wins, and mm -hmm. let's say Georgia continues winning all the way to the SEC title game. Tennessee, mm -hmm. same way. You're having what an SEC championship game between Georgia and Bama, yeah. In that scenario, Tennessee doesn't even play in the conference championship game, and you're saying they're guaranteed if they're 11 and one with a loss to Georgia. And uh, by the way, I'm not even saying you're crazy, but I wouldn't have thrown guarantee on that. Yeah, yeah. It's I see it's a little finality to that, right? Purely, there. <laughs> purely because again, I look at it in the fact of I don't think anybody from the Pac-12 is going to make it. You could potentially make an argument for Oregon because their one loss was against Georgia. They got thumped. But I, I mean, think you're right. I think you can write Oregon team too. take out Pac-12. You're right. Yeah. So Pac-12 is out. I think Big 12 is out, even though TCU is being fantastic right now. I think the Big 12 is out. So mm -hmm. really, it comes down to maybe Clemson. But I mean, we've seen Clemson really struggle. So I'm waiting for them to have a loss. And then when they're when they lose, they're out. So, so you're you're banking that that Clemson is going to lose. I I think they are. You think that's a think that's a that's an absolute in your mind that they are going to lose at some point because they they have to go to Notre Dame, then they have to take yep. on Louisville, they have to take on Miami, and then they have to take on South Carolina Ooh. to end the year. I don't so, think there's any way they lose any game. Maybe if, maybe if they're going to lose one, it's going to be this week to Notre Dame. I think South Carolina could give them a little bit of run for the money. Miami, Except we can for just they kind of puked on themselves last week, I think, and got thumped by like 30. And, and no yeah. arguments. I just, boy, this is really going to make me throw up a little in my mouth. Uh, the SEC game-to-game -game schedule is so much different than the ACC. Like, I, I think we've seen glimpses of South Carolina where they could really give a run to, to Clemson because Clemson hasn't been impressive to me. No, no. I mean, they I, have not. I'm not saying they couldn't lose. I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I think if you have an undefeated Clemson and they give the spot to Tennessee instead, 
then there needs to be some 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 investigation on this because that is a, you know a, a a year in and year out national title contender undefeated not making it to playoffs to a one loss team. I don't know that 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 could be possible. I don't know that it would it would happen. Maybe because to me th- this is the theory I've always had on it. They to me they look at names and that's what gets them in. Like to me that's really one of the few reasons with the exception of pretty much everybody had one loss last year that that Alabama would even have gotten in because they lost to, you know, Texas A&M of all teams. So it's like, okay, they're looking at draws. Like Alabama is going to get you a big draw. Tennessee this year is going to get you a giant draw. Ohio State, Michigan. You don't think Clemson's going to draw huge? Not like they used to. If if they would still have a quarterback or anything like that, like a Trevor Lawrence, like a Deshaun Watson, any of them, like some type of true powerhouse, like they are a team that can be reckoned and feared with, I would 100% see it. But the fact that they've struggled against some of these games, they've managed to win and they've come back. I I would honestly see them saying, look, Tennessee is going to give us a a better draw. They faced better opponents. They've gotten quality wins over some of these top five, top ten teams. Like so, you I, say I when you say better draw, are you saying a better competitive game or a better draw, like audience TV wise? rating? Th- that better, better. Honestly, you know, TV draw, like like audience rating. Because I, I don't, I don't think I don't see Clemson as being as much of like a national fan favorite as they used to be. Now, again, a couple of years ago with Trevor Lawrence, with Deshaun Watson, no argument Clemson would be in there 110%. I, I don't think they have that draw anymore like what you know Bama does because Bama's always flipping there. You know, Ohio State is almost always in contention. Michigan up until last year really wasn't even in there for a draw. Like, I, I, gonna be there. I would think <clears throat> with as dominant as Alabama is, has been, the only people that would be happy that they're in the the CFP would be their fan base. So I don't think that the national draws there for Alabama. Uh, Just because they've been there every year doesn't mean Mm -hmm. people want to see them there. Oh, no. So so my point on that is is if it's between, let's say, an undefeated Clemson and and a one-loss Alabama or, yeah, one-loss Alabama, I'm I'm taking the Clemson. But there is something to be said. Just like in March Madness, when when Duke is on one side, mm-hmm. like they're a villain, like a villain being in, like does help still draw. Like nobody shies away from the TV because Alabama's in the playoff. They right. tune in to see if Bama loses. Like yeah. people still tune in and they're rooting for a Bama loss. So like, but there could be a large group of people that tune in because Alabama's not in it because of the, the same reason. That That's is very true. possible, but and, and maybe we're run. just realizing this product just draws no matter what we do. And with and, and yeah. I think that's probably what it is. So, honestly, an undefeated if an undefeated major Power Five team loses out to a playoff team that had one loss, I think it would be I would call that year a just a mockery of what they intended to be. I'm sorry if if you're in a Power Five conference playing a Power Five conference schedule be it a little bit watered down weekend or whatever. If you go undefeated, be everybody that somebody puts in front of you and you're a power five team, you should be in the playoff. Tony, do you have anything else? I cut you off a moment ago. Yeah. I oh, no, no, no. You're good. You're good. Yeah, no, no, no. You're good. It, 
I, I was going to agree with you, Don. It, to me, it's it's not really the fact of I think people want to see Alabama in there. I think they want to see Alabama lose. And then this is probably more of an overall SEC bias, maybe a little bit of a college you know fan bias. What if there's always that question of, well, did they face someone like Bama? Did they face a Bama team in order to get to that point of being able to compete for a national championship or even winning the national championship? Like, that's what I kind of felt like with Georgia last year. Like, they lost the SEC championship. It's like, eh, that doesn't really matter as long as we get in and we can beat Bama for the natty. Because you think about it, Georgia could have very easily beaten them in the SEC championship and then just cruised in the playoffs. But I don't think Georgia wanted that because there would have always been that question of, well, did you beat Bama when it mattered? Like, yeah, you beat them in the SEC championship, but did you beat them when they mattered? Yeah, yeah, we did. We beat them in the national title. We beat them in the game that mattered <clears throat> most, and we made sure that they were in there so that we could do it. I so don't think there was any way, <laughs> shape, or form that Georgia said we're going to let Alabama win. I think what they did, and Dalton, you and I talked about this when they were when they were getting ready. I think what Georgia did is they played a basic mm-hmm. game plan against Alabama in that yeah. SEC championship mm-hmm. where they were saying we've got the dogs we can beat them yeah. with what we've got if we play a basic defense or a basic plan we, and we win great if we don't we didn't give them our playbook yep but I, I don't think that they necessarily went with well we want them in the playoff hell no they wanted them out they wanted to beat them but they wanted to have a backup plan if they didn't so they they kind of kept some things back we're running pretty heavy. This has been a great conversation. We're going to be having this over the next few weeks. Um, but just to punctuate this segment before we get to halftime. Oh, here we go. He's going to let it hang while we go to break. When the playoffs expand to 12, these arguments won't be so much about Michigan, Clemson. If I look at the current rankings, 11 Ole Miss, 12 UCLA, 13 Kansas State, 14 Utah. Get ready for those arguments in a couple of years. That and who was it in the, like in the in the low 20s uh, is the top of the group of five. Like they are a playoff participant if it's expanded. Tulane, number 19. Tulane. There it is, 19. <laughs> yeah, Tulane would be right now in the playoffs if it were to start. But let me let me state real quick. This 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 CFP rankings is much like the two early preseason polls. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, last year we were talking about why Michigan State was behind Michigan in the in the rankings because they'd had a head to head. Yep, it came to where it didn't matter. You know, um, I think this week is one of those we're kind of setting the table, but it literally could be much much different next next week and only the. Georgia and Tennessee played each other. You know, I mean, it could it could be all over the place. So, I just want to I just want to say it for uh, Coach O. I know if you're possibly watching, and I hope you are. Go to Iowa, so they finally have O. We coming, baby. Go Tigers. Yeah, okay. you go Tigers. So, huh? We number ten. We six and two. Go Tigers. <laughs> they got two losses. They're still not going to make it to the playoffs. <laughs> we coming, baby. Don't you worry. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> Let's go to halftime. You are listening to Big Ten Plus Four, hosted on Anchor and StreamYard. Hey, this is Russ. This is Kyle. This is Michelle. From the Infectious Groove Podcast. Join us every Monday for the most fun you can have with a music podcast. The Infectious Groove Podcast uses a positive and fun approach as we take time every week to share our jammy jams, then dig into a thought-provoking topic discussing all decades and genres of music. You can find the Infectious Groove Podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can head to infectiousgroovepodcast.com to find us there and subscribe. We might have a controversial opinion here or there, but we always 
always have fun with it. Oh, I'm sure I'll say something dumb. Subscribe to the Infectious Groove Podcast, part of the Odd Pods Media Network. Hi, I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. And we host the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. Hey, Tina, did you know that Elvis crashed the Nixon White House for the sole purpose of getting a DEA badge and it worked? What? <laughs> or how a gun control advocate senator out of California engaged in gun trafficking with notorious gang leader Shrimp Boy? <laughs> Shrimp Boy, I remember him. Okay, so, you know, we cover all of that and more from Malady madness mischief and murder in u.s politics and we also host a bi-weekly interview segment called lil muck we interview politicians journalists activists and others who share their experiences in politics find the muck podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out on social media at the muck podcast all right time for the third quarter and uh, as we mentioned, we're pretty heavy on time, but we're going to switch over to basketball for just a moment because, believe it or not, this is the last show before the season actually tips off. That's coming up Monday, November 7th. Uh, I think just about every team is in action. I got the schedules in front of me. But um, basketball is getting ready to to begin. Uh, Monday is a rather lackluster schedule, but it's more or less just a celebration of, <laughs> hey, basketball's back. <laughs> it's it's one of those that you're like yeah we're playing for real but we're still playing teams it seems like it could be an exhibition <laughs> so here's the schedule monday purdue fort wayne's at michigan moorhead state going Michigan. to that game really yeah, i'm a i'm a an alum of purdue fort wayne so thought about it oh okay okay i I, weren't you at Ball State too? How many degrees do you have? I I didn't get a degree from Ball State. I well, oh, unless okay. you call that the hard knocks life uh, degree, you know, degree in hard knocks. <laughs> but uh, joking completely. Uh, but so, no, I got I got my degrees from uh, uh, Purdue. Well, it was Indiana Purdue Fort Wayne at the time, but Purdue Fort Wayne and uh, Western Governors. Okay. Okay. Um. So I don't see Western Governors in the Big Ten slate. No. But Purdue- there's- I've always thought Western Governors and like Grand Canyon were kind of similar in their style of universities, but shoot, Grand Canyon's a D1 school <laughs> basketball. <laughs> it's true. Home of one of the best environments. Yeah. Um, but you have Purdue Fort Wayne at Michigan. You have Moorhead State at IU. Northern Arizona will be at Michigan State. Columbia against Rutgers. Winthrop against Penn State. Robert Morris taking on Ohio State. Niagara, Maryland, Bethune-Cookman in Iowa, Chicago State, Northwestern, Maine, Nebraska, South Dakota against Wisconsin, Eastern Illinois takes on Illinois, and Western Michigan takes on Minnesota. So suffice again to say, not really great matchups, but again, basketball will be back Monday. It's the pageantry that we're going for with that that round of games, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but you know what? There are some teams that you mentioned that that you've seen do things in the turn in March before in historically, or you know, like Robert Morris, they've done some stuff. I mean, so it's not it's not the well, it could be the dregs, uh, depending on you know their rosters this year. But like at least there are some some names of notoriety that they're playing. I mean, yeah, no, I, I I've I heard of that. all of them. Let's say that. Much. <laughs> let's uh. I mean, before we actually tip this off with this slate of games, have over the last few weeks, 
you digested this Big Ten basketball season and come away with anything different than where we first started. I mean, if we look at the preseason media poll done by the Columbus Dispatch, again, Indiana's one, Illinois two, Michigan three, Michigan State four, Purdue five. As we're getting really close to ramping it up and tipping it off, kind of as a final preview, final predictions, anything different from that? I have seen absolutely nothing that I feel that has kind of swayed me from anything that that kind of in that realm because until you get on the court and actually doing something like you know you could have injuries in practice or Mm -hmm. the the, when did the super secret exhibition thing start like Like a couple years ago and 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 it took a couple years for us to find out i mean literally i i started seeing these like secret exhibition like wrap-ups i'm like what in the world are you talking about so i yeah. didn't know yeah yeah I, I guess it's cool but like i'd like to have that on tv you know or something in it you know or whatever but uh no there's nothing that has swayed me from from agreeing with that top five tony yeah, no, not not really at all. Like I said, this this is just a complete and total coin flip when it comes to the Big Ten basketball, like at least the men's side. It's like, I don't really know who's going to do it. We're, we're just going to watch and see, like Sam said, maybe one of these secret you know exhibition games that we don't know about. Like when we see the final score, we're like, oh, maybe, maybe it's them. <laughs> but we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get there. Well, that's like uh, the super seeker between Michigan State and Tennessee. And uh, Tennessee won a close one there. Michigan State still without Jaden Akins. And you're like, okay, I I know I'm way too excited for the season, but what can I take away from that? Because then Tennessee rolls up Gonzaga in their super secret scrimmage uh, by 19 points. And you're like, wow, Michigan State's really on this playing field. And then they go into halftime in their exhibition game, the not secret one against Grand Valley State, trailing at halftime. Like, I don't <laughs> it's it's hard to really make sense of anything at this point. Um, but I would say when it comes to the Big Ten basketball season, which by the way, Michigan State did come out in the second half and they took care of business. I, they I put up put more points there. than Grand Valley State scored in the whole game in the second half. <laughs> like they it was beat one of them those 58 56 with just taking the second half points. Yeah. It uh they they, they were able to a, a matter of fact, that was 7356 that that's the the final right you, you got that in front of you i thought it was 90 to 56 was i believe that was the women's oh that's over women's. saginaw valley wow. state cuz i was going to say the women scored SBA 58 points i was like is this this is yeah, really sorry, stars sorry. aligning my fault. my fault i i i took the wrong stat my fault. well and we'll be talking <laughs> about the women a little bit later yeah. on as well um but when it comes to the big 10 men's basketball season i do want to get out there before we actually get this season underway because watching Iowa's exhibition, it's still a team that can fill it up. Like the Hawkeyes are still going to be one of the best offenses in the Big Ten and maybe even the country. Like and, and they're going to score. Wrong, we didn't hear them in the top five, correct? Correct. And a lot of people don't really know what to do with them yet because do you just bank on Chris Murray turning into a lottery pick like his brother Keegan? Like how do you handle all of that stuff? Um that's a big thing. I also think Rutgers is going to be much better than what they've gotten credit for. They're outside the top five at the moment, but yeah, they're your they bring... Big Ten champ f- pick. I heard that. <laughs> well, I, I didn't go that far, <laughs> but I love Paul Mulcahy. Yeah. I love Cliff Om- Omori. I, I love uh, Caleb McConnell, the, the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Like, I, I think they have a lot of pieces. That's going to be a gritty team that you're going to hate to play. Like, you are absolutely going to hate playing against Rutgers this season. I Maryland think Penn, too. Yeah, 
Uh, Penn State, I think, has a lot of veteran pieces back with Jalen Pickett, Seth Lundy, Miles Dredd. I think they're going to give uh, some people a really hard time. And I know there's another team in there that I'm missing. Um, but I think those three will really surprise people. I don't know if I'm fully in on the Maryland boat that Tony is. What, what do you like so much about Maryland? It. I'm purely. I'm going off purely based off of last year. The fact that Maryland would just give so many people a run for their money. It, it, it was like Rutgers too. It was like the two teams nobody really expected. You know, kind of bottom of the Big Ten, and it's like, I think we talked about this. Was it Rutgers or Maryland? One of the two had like top five wins, like five games in a row, or like Rutgers. Yeah, that was like, Rutgers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's like. Oof. And I, and I watched a lot of Maryland play up against, you know, Michigan, up against Michigan State, and they were close mm-hmm. games. Like, this was not an easy runaway win for any of those teams. So I, purely based off of last year, I, I have Maryland, you know, potentially sneaking in there as Dark Horse, not my Big Ten champ. Don't don't I, you put that on I me, heard. Sam. I'm not saying That's what it. I heard. I'm not saying it. No. No, so we've no. got, no, we've no, got no. Maryland and, Rut- <laughs> and Rutgers. Okay. I, I'm no. just gauging where I, where I need to go. But I am excited to see what Kevin Willard's first year in College Park looks like. I've really liked Kevin Willard when he was at Seton Hall. I think mm -hmm. this was a really good hire for Maryland. So I think I think they could do, especially in that area. Yeah, Yeah. it depends on him a little bit as well because you know it's going to become his program and his style. So in it might be a rocky first year, um, but it could be one of those that you know he catches lightning in a bottle and they do you know surprise some teams but i would i would see them as being more of a of a a threat a couple years down the road once once kevin uh willard gets his his boys there you know his his guys that's uh it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see what that maryland program turns into with kevin because he's he's continued to, to kind of pay homage to gary williams and he goes around and he's talking about car rides he has with gary williams the things they talk about how they get back to that that gritty toughness, the the Terp teams of the early 2000s. Um, it, it'll be fascinating to see what he can do there. And if there's anything, uh, any, if there's nothing but what it gets, if he gets nothing but just the the people love Gary Williams in Maryland. So if he becomes a, a, a close friend of Gary Williams, that's going to bode well for his his persona at, at the very least, and maybe give a little bit more of a grace period if he does struggle coming out of the shoot, you know, Um, because we've seen reactionary. I mean, Auburn just fired their coach after a year and a half of being the coach, you know, nothing like giving him some time, you know, so that may help him in that area. Yeah. Gary Williams is God in college park. And if you want to have success, you gotta, you gotta pay at the altar. And I think Kevin Willard's doing that early on. Yep. I don't think he's I don't think he's a dummy. I think he realized that quickly and <laughs> and and it's not a poor choice. Gary Williams right. was one heck of a good coach. So th- it's a good choice, but he he also isn't stupid it seems. <laughs> so with with all this roster turnover, I mean, we're we're still just going kind of with Indiana at the moment. We just need to see basketball and and I'm not happy with it, Dalton, that I I'm saying <laughs> that I'm okay with IU being at the top, but but that's yeah. where we sit. Okay. I mean, good enough. I, 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 we haven't seen much to really know much about Illinois or anything else. Um, we'll kind of see how it all plays out. I do know from speaking with um, Mike DeCourcy earlier in the week about Illinois, because that was one of my big questions. He raised a great point too. And we'll, we'll finish the segment out on this. Uh, Illinois has a bit of an identity issue. 
Terrence Shannon Jr. wants to be the star. He transfers in from Texas Tech. Um, will he be able to seize that opportunity because he couldn't quite find the the lane he wanted to in Lubbock because he had injuries earlier on, and then the, the team kind of progressed, and then they had a bunch of talent on that team, and Shannon didn't quite have the lane that he wanted there. Uh, Matthew Mayer is probably better than what maybe he even thinks he is, according to Mike wow. DeCourcy. Like, he could he – could, really he probably has the talent to maybe be just about the alpha guy or or at least be the like next shoulder robin to to batman if he wants to get that aggressive in his personality and identity so and then of course we're talking about an illinois team that still has rj melendez ty rogers luke goody got hurt we'll see what his status is moving forward but so many wings that's it's going to be interesting to watch that kind of socially unfold in Champaign when we talk about the Illini in the Big Ten race. But, all right, let's let's uh, let's go ahead and move to quarter number four. I couldn't get my pinky on there if you're joining us on the visual medium. I had to shove When, it, when right it comes to this setup, Dalton, just put it directly in front of your face. You should be yeah. all right. Sounds good. <laughs> quarter number four, it's time for the headlines. <laughs> and we'll start off with... Tony in the Tony Tribune. Tony, what is your headline? Yeah, so I know we've talked about this with with other head coaches and the fact of being bought out. You know, we saw it with Scott Frost. I think we also saw it with um, Herm Edwards at Arizona State. There's another coach recently fired, and that was the head coach of Auburn. Um, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but this is now their second coach. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. And – Math-wise, of how much money they've had to dish out because of coaches they've fired, it equals out to like almost $57,000 a day that they're paying for a head coach to not to be there. Like, look, my resume is on Indeed, like currently job hunting. Any university that would love to hire me for any significant length of time, I don't care if it's for a day. The interim, I don't care. Like, I want to be able to make $56,000 a day. I want to be able to make a year's salary in one day by sitting on my couch and eating Funyuns all day. That's the only thing I want in life at this point is to be a college football coach and get fired. <laughs> it's the best job ever. It really is. Well, and and Tony broke out his Coach O impersonation earlier on, but there was that interview he had recently where they're talking about uh, letting him know that he's going to be fired from the LSU program. He said, he said, what door do you want me to head out of? <laughs> what door do you want me to head out of? Where do you want me oh, to go? Want me back, you want me back up my office right now? All right, I'll, I'll go ahead and head out right now. Don't you worry about it. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's the best job. People used to make the jokes that backup quarterbacks or being a backup punter or something would be the best job in sports. Being a fired coach is the best job that exists in, in sports. And I think it continues to go back to the point that I raised earlier. I don't know how we go about it, but we got to change the market where we're not just handing out these, these blank checks to get rid of people. Like, look, we've been talking about Iowa for a while now. Say Iowa actually wanted to have an uprising and get rid of Kirk Ferentz, the guy's contract is through 2029. Yeah. I, I mean, it'd be like $43 million guaranteed 
just to get rid of him if you if you wanted to. Like we got to quit just with these these major guarantees. And I don't know how you just completely shift the market and flip it on its head. I'm not saying there's an easy path, but like this is nonsensical. And maybe I think they can maybe they can set it up to where the they literally like let's say the NCAA actually enforces a rule. Um, <laughs> Put a rule in place that you can use no school funds to use a, as a buyout. So make it mandatory that if you want to buy out this coach before the end of his contract, it has to be through donation because that's yeah. when you find out if your alums are really on board with that as well. And it, and and if you want to buy them out, that's fine. But it cannot use any school funding uh, to do that. Now I want to I want to say before you guys go on I I disagree with this because I was supposed to keep this on the hush 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 but this is going to be breaking news for us dun, I am dun, actually dun. slotted to be the next Iowa head coach <laughs> and they have me guaranteed for like a fifty million dollar contract so I need you gentlemen to not mess this up for me right now okay well biggest question new Iowa head football coach is Brian Ferentz still the OC yeah is Brian oh Ferentz absolutely still? not absolutely not no 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 I I need to keep this job for longer than a day hey, all right uh, the ink needs to dry on my contract before tony, i get fired <laughs> tony my dog clark could use a job so i'm gonna throw his hat he's, in the ring he's hired that. he's got hired it. he's better than what we got right now he's hired there we go. <laughs> way to throw him a bone <laughs> okay let's uh move on to sam sprunger and the sam sentinel what do we got well i'm going to uh talk about the transfer portal Okay. Shocker. And it, it's not honestly me going to complain or anything. I I just got to thinking about how many people many of these players are jumping into the, the transfer portal and and making sure that uh, they, they go to a place that better suits them or their feelings were hurt or whatever. For whatever reason, they're able to go into the transfer portal. And uh, it needs to be guided to where there are windows where they can't just on a Tuesday decide they're going in. But I do like the prospect of the transfer portal. And it's for a couple of different reasons. It's, it's for one, coaches, while they make the guarantee or the promise to parents that I will be, I will be the parent figure on campus to your child for the four years that they're on campus. And then the next Thursday, he decides he's going to a different job, you know, and, and and you can say what you want and say, well, a kid should not be choosing a school for the coach. We all know damn well that that's what they do that. And, and that's the and I'm not at all complaining about the kids making that choice. It's right. not it's, it's not impossible to see. And it shouldn't be feigned that they don't choose their coach or their place because of their coach. Another thing, another reason is, you know, things change. So a, a five-star recruit wanting to go to Alabama, once they get there, for whatever reason, finds out that they're not a good fit there. They're not in purgatory for four years and, and falling, falling, and I'm going to say victim, falling victim to, to a, a, a choice that wasn't necessarily in their best interest to do at the time that they were 18 making this decision. And I, I'll I'll use Kenneth Walker the third as a perfect example. Uh, he went from and he was snubbed as a as a Heisman candidate last year, but he wouldn't have had that chance at all if he wasn't able to jump in the porter portal and be immediately available to play. And Michigan State was able to scoop him up, and he fit perfectly. And look what he did. I mean, Dalton, you'll talk about what Kenneth Walker the third did against Michigan last year for years to come 
rest that of my would life. have yeah that would never exist if the transfer portal wasn't there so while there are very bad things with it the transfer portal can do some things for for kids for programs programs can decide you know what we're gonna hunt the portal and become competitive mm-hmm. that's okay and and I think that that there are really really good things that could happen with the transfer portal, and uh, I just wanted to talk about it a little bit, wax poetically. <laughs> well, I, I like it, and I think it it shines light that this is one of those areas that should have nuance to it. Yeah. It's not an absolute rule one way or the other. It's case by case. Have nuance with it. There can be good and there can be bad with sure. it. And I think it's a it's a good point. Um, real quick for the Dalton Daily, the headline. Uh, we just spent some time talking about Big Ten football and how the Big Ten's a little bit down compared to what we're used to. Well, Big Ten basketball, I think you're going to want to be ready for the same because the Big Ten, look, it's coming off an all-time high when it comes to basketball. What they've accomplished the last three, four years, the last two years they had nine bids into the NCAA tournament. It's ridiculous. It's unprecedented. Like the Big Ten has been at maybe the greatest it's ever been like across an entire league as a whole league it's it's been phenomenal it's getting ready to take a step back and it's going to be this year right now i I mean you're looking at a a conference that won't have the nine bids but maybe it has five six whatever like it's it's going to be a down year for the big 10 and there also doesn't seem to be a big 10 national championship contender at this point in time i i wouldn't say that there's anything like that which means the big 10 drought will still remain the year 2000 when michigan state last won a national championship as the last big 10 team to do it so i i, I did see the quote recently that syracuse head coach jim Beheim said the big 10 sucks when it comes to the the big dance in the ncaa tournament um that's not exactly true they they have not performed well in recent years and and that absolutely is fair they had those nine bids the last two years two years ago they only had one team make it to the sweet 16 and one team to the elite eight last year they only had two teams make it to the sweet 16 and nobody made it to the elite eight so they they have performed underwhelmingly in the big dance in recent years uh but that doesn't mean they suck like again we're talking about not absolutes having nuance the big 10 and the big dance is a conversation for nuance but Again, it's coming down from a year where they had nine members. Expect a little bit of a step back when it comes to Big Ten basketball. I know I, we need to get moving. Real quick, I wanted to jump in there and say, here's the thing. We've talked about it. The Big Ten, while they want national titles, they value the conference title more. Yep, It's always been the way the Big Ten has done it. That's not to say that we don't want a big or a national title, but it's just not the way the Big Ten was built. All right, we got about 10 seconds, 15 oh, seconds. Oh, I'll take my time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm back. So TikTok, the TikTok, uh, Instagram, and uh, what is that? Twitter, <laughs> the live banners in the way, <laughs> are all at Big Ten Plus 4. Spell out the plus. Do not put the plus sign. Big Ten Plus 4, doesn't matter how you do the plus on Facebook. Find us on oddpodsmedia.com along with all the other family sh- uh, shows uh, there um uh, then asap every week and uh we're going to expand out but with uh uh what's gone on the past few uh few days uh we're going to delay that so uh we'll make announcements there you go yeah. 
That'll work. All right. Well, for another exciting edition of Big Ten Plus Four, we want to thank you all for tuning in and joining us. That's Sam Sprunger, Tony Hollinsworth. I'm Dalton Shetler saying so long. See ya. Bye.